This episode of the Round 6 Podcast is brought to you by Trailer Tug, the world's strongest trailer dolly. Learn more at TrailerTug.com. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories. Hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stubsky, Alex Welsh, and Brad King. Here on episode 58, the Gearheads are proud to welcome automotive journalist, Mopar enthusiast, and Opel GT owner, Ilana Schur. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Brad. I'm Alex. And joining us tonight um, is a... Well, I'm just happy to have another Mopar person on tonight. That's really all I care about. And I won't even hold it against you that you drive an Opal. But uh, <laughs> joining us tonight is Ilana Schur. Welcome aboard. Hi. Thanks for letting me on the boat. <laughs> well, well, thank you. you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what you think of that in about 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you'll be, do, do people you'll be know that you guys podcast from a yacht because i mean it's like really nice this is more of a dinghy this <laughs> is certainly we're not a, a lifeboat it doesn't take much to impress us though so that's yeah yeah this would be like this would be like a pool noodle this really isn't a <laughs> seagoing craft there's four of us on it it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's damp <laughs> i don't know if i want to put that in the uh maybe i'll just put that in the show notes you know join us on episode 58 as we all climb aboard the ss uh, round six pool noodle this is gonna go great into the deep end <laughs> well hey thanks for joining us tonight i i know you've been uh you've been quite busy this past week yeah i was in a different country that's outstanding. Yep. So, and, and you made it back. I did. <laughs> That's always the goal. Yeah. <laughs> the end goal of is actually getting back. Sometimes. Uh, depends on what you did before. I mean, if you got like a whole D.B. Cooper thing going on, you're not going to come back. No, That's... no. I'm, I'm always eager to come back. I'm eager to leave and then I'm eager to come back. But uh, yeah, I was just in, uh, in Baja, California, Mexico um, for the uh, Nora Mexican 1000, which is like a off-road rally. Outstanding. Did you uh, did did you do the whole local thing and stand alongside the uh, the trail and try to slap the cars and trucks as they went by? <laughs> uh, no, I was I was running in a chase truck, so I didn't actually spend very much time on the actual race course. But uh, I have seen that in action before. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, it's horrible when you watch the video. Okay, I should say it's funny to watch, but then if you stop to think about somebody bouncing like a Super Bowl off the front of a truck, it's pretty horrible. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't happen that often. It, no, but it always seems like there's a camera right there for it. <laughs> well, it just gets shared a lot when it does happen. But, uh, for the most part, people try to stay out of the way. You're more likely to hit a cow than a person. I guess there's some local hooligans, and they've been there for years, that just like to change course markers and dig pits and do all kinds of fun things. So hopefully nobody got uh, caught up in that this year. You know, I hear about that, um, and it, you know, I mean, I believe it because I've heard about it from people in races, but again, I don't think it's very common. I think yeah. it's it's sort of one of those things that snowballs into a, into it's a, a legend. bigger story. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because yeah. my experience down there, and this was the fifth time I've been down there, fourth time I've been down there for a race, and uh, 
my experience is that the locals are really supportive, super excited, um, always ready to help, and certainly have tow ropes in their trucks and are quite useful when uh, when you're lost out there and, and you need help getting out of a pit of sand. So I would say that uh, that 99% of the experiences that I've had with, uh, with the locals down in Baja has been that they've been happy that the race is there and they want to help. Well, that's good. Outstanding. Now, do, is this your favorite kind of race to cover or do you have a particular brand of motorsport that's like your favorite to go out and, I uh, guess, cover? I haven't met any motorsport that I didn't like yet. So um, so that's a real hard question to answer. Um, I guess if you told me I could only go to one, I would probably go to Bonneville. The off-road Mexican racing is a pretty close second. It's beautiful and, you know, interesting. It's always different. Very cool. We should we should develop a motorsport while we're on this uh, <laughs> this episode here. Do something like the Prius Smart Car yeah. Mall Parking Lot Rally Challenge. <laughs> Whoa! Think about this. I I've always kind of wanted to do uh, sort of like a '70s full size car autocross. So like there's a cert, like there's a length requirement. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, yes, '70 Fury. <laughs> yeah, and like no sway bars. I was I was gonna say. You'd have to have somebody in there who measures like body roll on that where, oh, this guy went around the corner and, you know, you just know that he didn't have the full 10 and a half inches of body roll. I guess cheating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Alex, is there like a airplane, you know, gauge or something that measures like pitch and roll that we can use for that? Oh, sure. Yeah, we've got, we can instrument it with all kinds of stuff. We we could put accelerometers on it. We could tell you exactly how far it's moving around. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so fun. Could you imagine that? Like a gigantic, like early 70s Chrysler with bias ply tires and disconnected sway bars, bench seat, yeah. uh, lap, lap belt, no no shoulder belts. Can you run the lap belt? So, you you know, your feet slide out of the out of the way before anyone else does. And you, and you have to armor all the seat before you actually start, <laughs> start your oh, I'm in. Uh, so so would the, the objective be to try to get through the course as fast as possible or as stylish as possible? Um, I guess that's that's to be decided. I, I mean, like maybe yeah. I, I think that, you know, I think that you would try to get through fast, but maybe you could also get style points. Yeah, let's try as alive as possible. I'm going to say just getting through without hitting parked cars and, and not taking out a fence. I think that would be the actual goal of, of your past. Have the worst looking barrier walls of all time. <laughs> you just have it in a Walmart parking lot and take all their Walmart carts and just distribute them all around through the parking lot. You got to make a course. So there's no cone. You actually use carts. Okay, well, that's shopping it. cart. Okay, we we can we can liberate that name from some. We could have carts and cones. <laughs> she just started something here. And on a more serious note, for our listeners who don't know who you are, you you have been quite the fixture in um in our little neck of the uh, the automotive world as far as hot rods go. I mean, heck, you've you've written for Hot Rod, which is where I first became aware of you. But you had quite a uh, quite a career before that. <laughs> Do you guys want the short version, real quick? Sure, whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to go. Just interested in how you came up. Well, um, so I'm a freelance automotive journalist, so I will write for anybody. I first got into journalism when David Freiberger, who was editor-in-chief at Hot Rod, offered me a position at Hot Rod magazine. And that was, at this point, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, nine years ago? It's a long time ago now. Before that, I was doing automotive PR. And before that, I was doing carbon fiber fabrication for racing motorcycles. And before that, I was working as a sculptor's assistant after 
going to art school at UCLA. So it kind of went from art school to mold making experience to working in motorsports to marketing motorsports to writing about motorsports. How's that? Fast enough? That's actually <laughs> Wow. That was lightning fast. Oh, wow. That was great. <laughs> wow. Art school. I, I, I attended art school as well. And um, it's, uh, it's every bit as crazy as anyone ever tells you art school is. I mean, do you, do you, okay, do you have, do you have any story that sticks out in particular of the weirdness of art school? There's like a lot of nudity. Well, there, there is that. And it's never, it's never the nudity you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's rarely i should say i mean if anything you you learn how to shade really well with... <laughs> yeah i mean i had a good time at art school it was definitely weird i think it was useful at least in in what i do now because especially because i was studying a lot of sculpture and photography so we had a lot of conversations about how things are made and why they're made the way that they are you know what materials you use and stuff and so i think that that's been something that's kind of stuck with me in talking to people about cars and customs and stuff is, you know, why did you build it this way? What materials did you choose and why? And those kind of conversations are applicable no matter what people are making, what, whatever kind of art form it is. Man, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I, I feel really old when I got out of art school, really, we weren't even using computers too much at that point, which is sad. Now I talk to people who go to art school. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're, that's all we do is everything's computer generated, <laughs> this and that. And I'm going, holy crap. I think we had an Apple IIe and you weren't allowed to use it. So <laughs> You would have just got graphite all over it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it, you know, it's old school and it's got paint splattered on the keyboard. That's awesome. Well yeah. played. What, what got you into cars? Or I should say any, anything mechanical. Well, so I didn't actually grow up in a in a car family. Um, I didn't even learn how to drive till I was 21. So I was already not just moved out, you know, but like pretty much almost done with, with school and everything. And my neighbor at the time, he was into Mopars and he's like, yeah, I'll help you buy a car and learn how to drive. He's like, but you got to get a, a Chrysler product. And I was like, that's fine. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted. I knew I wanted an old car because I liked the way they look. So I was like, yeah, maybe a Nova or something. And he's like, well... I don't want, I don't want, I don't want you to get a Nova, but you know, what do you think of this? It's a duster. It looks the same. I was like, done, let's do it. <laughs> so, um, so I bought a 73 Plymouth duster and, um, uh, had to change the starter on it before I even had a, a license to move it. My roommate used to have to help me move it for, for street parking days. Cause we lived in Hollywood and I didn't have a license or anything. I couldn't drive it unless somebody was in the car with me. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so how long did you have the duster? Ooh, I have it. A long time. I mean, I probably had it 10 years. I had it probably two years and then I got rear ended, not badly, but enough to do damage. So when I was having it repaired and repainted, I bought a 1972 uh, Challenger. Nice. And it was a six cylinder car. I was like, oh, I want to, I want a big block. So I thought I was like, oh, I'll build an engine, you know, because I was feeling pretty cocky. So, um, <laughs> you know, so I bought one, you know, I bought a 440. This was back when you could like, do that sort of stuff easily. Um, I don't know if any, any of you guys are music guys, but uh, Don Bowles of the, the band The Germs <laughs> actually drove me in his van to go pick up this engine that we found on Craigslist or whatever. Um, but I thought I could build it myself and, you know, I took it apart and, you know, sent it to machine up, uh, shop and everything. But by the time it came back and it was like on an engine stand, I was like, ooh, everything looks so different than it does in the book. This exploded diagram seems so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> than the actual thing. And that was when uh, a 
friend of mine, Ed, because at this point I had some, you know, a fair amount of, of car friends from going to like the Mopar show or going to Bob's Big Boy and stuff. So, so my friend Ed said, hey, why don't you ask this guy Tom for help? He's a good engine builder and he works down the street from you. And so, so I asked Tom for help and I was like still so new doing this as a hobby. It like, didn't even occur to me that you like pay people for this kind of work, you know, cause I was like, I'm doing it for fun. So clearly everybody else is going to want to do it for fun. But Tom said that it was a quirky enough request that he was willing to help. So he helped me build my first engine for that challenger. And uh, then we ended up dating and we got married. So that's a nice story. But, um, and the engine was great. And uh, I drove that, so then I drove that car uh, primarily, but I kept the duster for a long time. I finally sold it to uh, a couple in Nova Scotia. Wow, that's kind of a road trip. <laughs> yeah, they, they came down, picked it up, and drove it home. I remember because uh, we had to fix the heater in it because we'd just bypassed the heater because I think the heater was leaking or something because we didn't need it here in California. Kind but of a requirement in Nova Scotia. Yeah, but, so we, we fixed the heater for them, and then they came down and they drove it home. And uh, I remember the thing that they were most impressed about in California is that we had a lemon tree in our backyard. <laughs> if you see, if you have their address, I'll send you. I'll send them one of mine. Yeah, they were they were just like they couldn't believe it. They're, we were like, man, we throw away, throw them away by the bucket, you know? Yeah. We're like, oh, we gotta take a picture of this for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> they drove that car from L.A. to Nova Scotia. They did. Wow, that's some real faith in a car. That's that's a killer. That's a great story in itself. As far as I know, they made it because they never called again. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that says a lot. I mean, okay, that that's that's a well-built car. And again, yeah. Alex, the Canadians, man, they're a hardy people. You, know, you grew up dodging, you know, hockey pucks and running away from polar bears, man. You uh, you learn to move pretty quick. So you're just you're international all over the place. Let's see. So far, <laughs> this this has spanned Mexico to Canada. Uh, any other foreign travels while we're here? Just while uh, we're thinking about it. I've been to the 24 Hours of Le Mans in France. Ooh, very cool. Ooh, okay. That's a bucket list for That's me. I've been to definitely. Daytona, 24 hours of Daytona. I've never been to France. I'd like to go to that one. It's uh, it's worth doing. I heard it's a spectacle in itself. The, the, the inside of the infield is almost oblivious to that there's a race going on. Is it that uh, way? I saw a lot of Germans with no pants on. <laughs> 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 Themes are developing in this episode. This is great. <laughs> But they have like a big gigantic carnival in in the infield area. I guess if you call it an infield area, and it's a it's a whole spectacle in itself. Yeah, no, it's great. You can you can watch the racing from the Ferris wheel, which is pretty spectacular, and um, it's uh, it's a neat deal. Yeah. So, what do the French call the tilt a whirl? No, oh, I don't know. That's all I want to know, Alex. We got to go. Yeah, clearly that's the only way to find out is to go. Yeah. That'd be great. I'll come back and I'll be. I'll have a. I'll have an article written for someone. I'll be shopping that around. Like I have fifteen hundred words on the infield at Le Mans. Doing a live <laughs> podcast at Le Mans from the Tilta World. That's great. Oh, we should do that. This would be awesome. Okay, so you you started off your career. Uh, you're you know you're working composites and things like that. What? How did you make the jump from um, basically working with your hands to working with words? Well, I'd always, I've always been a reader. I mean, that that's something I've done my whole life. And so when I was at school, even when I was at school for art, I was taking a lot of English and history classes and stuff. So I've always been able to write. I would say that I was a decent fabricator. Um, I wasn't spectacular, but I was very good at sort of um, interfacing between the race teams and figuring out what they needed and helping them sort of translate that to the other fabricators. 
so even while I was at the carbon fiber place, I was sort of moving um, from being in the in the um, back shop to being more of a, a front desk person. It was a lot less itchy and it paid better. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, so from there, it wasn't a huge jump to go into PR uh, when there was a position available at this uh, smaller PR firm. Uh, and I learned a lot there, you know, again, a lot of writing, a lot about deadlines and a lot about what sort of both the magazines and the brands need from from a story. Uh, and I was always extremely jealous of the people who were on the magazine side because PR is hard. Um, I don't know if, yeah. if any of you guys have ever done PR. Um, you know, PR people oh, yeah. get, they get a really bad rap. They work so much harder than we do on the journalism side. Like, and I, I was really getting frustrated of sort of having to kind of, you know, smile and write things and see them show up with some, you know, with the byline of somebody who had been sort of patronizing and dismissive to me at the actual event. And I, I was like, how do I get that job since I'm already doing, <laughs> I'm already doing that guy's job? I can <laughs> be I, a patronizing douche. I can yeah, be that exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there, there was an opening at Hot Rod Magazine and I, I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, there's no way, right? Like there's no way that I could be, you know, hired at Hot Rod Magazine. But um, so I was sort of like shyly asked David Freiberger about it at some event that we were both at, like, oh, you know, uh, would it be weird if I applied for that? And he was like, he's like, <laughs> I, he's like, I've been trying to get you to apply. Why don't you apply? Like, that would be great. So then, yeah, so he gave me that job and, um, and it was just fantastic. Like a real dream job. That was such a good team. So much fun working with everybody who was there at that point in the magazine, and I just learned a ton. That's see, that's the awesome part. And people, like we, we try to do this with the podcast. We try to give people kind of a lesson, something they can take away from this. And one of the recurring themes that always comes up is in this industry, if you want to get anywhere, it just really seems to boil down to asking someone, and oh. somebody's always willing to give you a shot. Yeah, I mean, I I think obviously I think getting some skills is is valuable, but um, man, bravery will take you a huge amount of the way. Most people are ready to help you, but they're not going to think of it on their own. You got to basically put yourself out there and say like, this is what I want. I respect you. How can I how can I get to this place? And they're usually like, here's what I did. Right, and everybody's willing to to at least give you that kind of that that opportunity. And it, it's you know, in my experience, it's always been you know, it's really it's up to you to screw it up for yourself. <laughs> and there's a, there's a million ways and to do that. How. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been there and done that. I I I've done the PR and marketing side. So yeah, I uh, I'm pro PR and marketing people. I uh, I mean, there's some there's some lousy ones. As there are in everything, but there there are some really great ones too. And man, they like when you meet somebody who does that job well, they just make your job so easy. It's it's unbelievable. And it seems it seems like especially in the hot rod side, it's it's more the exception than the norm. Like it's there's so many good people. It's crazy. I mean, it's such a small community too. I mean, everybody practically knows everyone else. Like Brad and I have had this conversation a million times. When we first met, we were shocked at how many people we knew between the both of us. <laughs> and we got to a point where we figured we could each start at one end of the SEMA show and just collect the people we knew and meet in the middle. And we'd probably be able to know every person that the other person knew connected via someone else. 
Oh yeah, it's not like what is it? It's not like six degrees of separations. It's like point <laughs> three degrees of separation. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and there's always one person that that somehow became family with someone else. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like wandering through the South, really. It's weird, you know. <laughs> Someone's got a cousin somewhere, but yeah. Um, oh my god. So if if you were to give advice to, uh, if you were to go be able to go back in time and give advice to a just starting out you. And this is one of these canned stupid questions, but I love asking this because it's always good to get that introspective view. What advice would you give yourself to kind of get to where you are now avoiding any pitfalls? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's a hard one, right? Because you know what, I mean, I know what I think I would say, but maybe there would have been other pitfalls if I had done it that way. But the one thing that I would tell myself is that most of the people that you think are doing a much better job than you are not. <laughs> and so you can, like almost everyone is faking it as much as you are. So in one way or another. And so there were a couple of things where I maybe held back or I wasn't super brave in particular related to um, to driving, to like getting behind the wheel or, or being on track where I was like, oh, well, everybody else is good at this and they're gonna judge me for being bad at it. And now looking back on it and I'm like, no, actually they were just ballsier. Like they just, they just went for it, but they actually didn't know anything more than I do or did. I do kind of wish I could go back and be like just a little bit braver about trying something new and, and being bad at it. Cause I was very aware every time that I did something like that, that I was sort of the only woman doing it and felt like I had a lot to represent. So I didn't want to mess anything up ever. <laughs> And it would be nice to, to go back and maybe have a little bit less than that. On the other hand, uh, I have, you know, knock on wood, a very good... Oh, sorry, I just freaked my dog out. Um, oh, you dummy. We're all um, dog owners, so we, we know yeah, the minute you knock, and it's like, oh, crap, here it comes. Um, you know, but if I had if I had done that, you know, maybe, you know, I would have had more crashes or, you know... Um, difficulties in a different way. I mean, I think that like coming at it sort of um, conservatively and respectfully means that I've had, uh, haven't really wadded things up very much. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Is that what you were asking for? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's a hard question. Like, and I've thought that through before I ask anyone that question, I've always gone through and thought, well, if I had to answer that same question, I like to pick on myself. So I would force myself into certain pitfalls anyway, just to watch me struggle. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, well, kind of the dick I am to myself. But <laughs> I mean, and those struggles make you, I think, I think they make you a better person, period. I mean, if you just kind of coast through, and I think we've all worked with that one guy somewhere that just kind of magically coasted his way in and you go, uh, how do you, yeah, how do you, how do you work with yourself? I think I'd much rather have to do the struggle and tech. I've done it. It's fun. <laughs> I, I enjoy a challenge. I mean, nothing beats that. A little sense of, you know, accomplishment at the end of the day where you're like, yeah, I overcame this. Now, and, and a weird kind of topic, if you couldn't be doing what you do now, what would you choose to do? How, how far different do I have to go? Oh, as far as you want to go. Where I mean, if, if you come out and you're like, well, I'd, uh, I'd like to go live on Mars and be the first. <laughs> I really like writing people's stories. So I wouldn't really care if I was writing about something else, you know, like I'd be perfectly happy if I was writing about art or books or science. Um, but uh, but if you're if I had to do something radically different than what I'm doing right now, you know, like a like a full restart 
you know, my my dad's a scientist, uh, an engineer, and I've always I've always thought that you know going into the sciences, not not necessarily um, on the engineering side, but uh, maybe on the like biological sciences, like the like I have friends who study study animals and stuff. So it's like, oh, they travel around and they spend time in weird swamps looking for ants or whatever, and that seems like something that I would enjoy doing. It's funny. I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I if if I couldn't do what I do today, I really want. I always wanted to be a physics teacher. Really? I thought that'd be like the coolest thing ever. I I love science. I I love physics. I think that'd be the coolest thing ever. Either that, or I just I really want to write. I just want to write dirty limericks. <laughs> Yeah. Is is independently wealthy on the table? Because I would be cool with that too. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'm, work, I'm working toward that. See, there's and there's not really any particular you know education required to be that. You know, like <laughs> you can just step in and be that. That's like okay, well I can do that. I'm not real smart, but I can I can do that. All you need are looks and talent, Brad. Oh well, I'm out. Never mind. Good <laughs> while laughter. <laughs> At your time at Hot Rod, the day that you walked in the door, the first day, first day at work, what did that feel like? Did you feel like there was a lot of pressure to achieve there, or did you did you welcome the challenge? Both, but uh, I mean, it was great. Like from the day I got there, it was great because there was just like the team when I was there. It was David Freiberger was the editor in chief, and then it was Mike Finnegan, Brandon Gologly, Jesse, Tom, um, and Phil McRae. Trying to think, was there anybody else? Anyway, it was a good team of guys. They like I knew them all already. Um, they were like super. They were super excited about cars. Super excited about making Hot Rod a really great magazine. And they'd just done a redesign, so the magazine looked really good. And we'd have these meetings, you know, these like planning meetings that were just so fun. You know, it was like it seemed like a like a TV version of what working in a magazine would be like, where, you know, you're, everyone's just like pulling up, you know, videos on their phones of like some crazy car or some crazy kind of racing and saying like, we should do this, or what if we did that, or can we build this? And right from the get-go, it was, you know, it was a real, like a real team experience. You know, while there were definitely challenges in particular, sort of some of the, the first year of events was challenging for me because I sort of felt like, oh, none of, none of these racers and builders that I'm going up to are expecting to see me. They don't know who I am. So it was a lot of sort of, it felt like it was going to be a lot of explaining myself, but it really doesn't take long. I think, you know, for car people to recognize each other. And so I didn't, I really had a, a good time. I mean, it, I don't have very many bad stories. In fact, I don't have any bad stories about people not being willing to talk to me or not, not taking me seriously, at least after the first, you know, sentence or two. But yeah, that, that magazine never struck me as the kind of place where, you know, you'd walk in and there was some kind of like friction or hatred between yeah. any of the columnists. That, although how great, you know, what we need to do. What if we launched a magazine and we specifically we just deliberately staff it with all these people who have so much friction between one another that every single article in that magazine is nothing but some kind of a passive aggressive <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> kind of attack against the next article. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you could go to any of the big car magazines and, and at a certain point in their history, that's probably true. <laughs> we can we can scroll back through some old car and driver issues and probably find that era. So he's referencing another article entirely. It's like, not at all like this guy on page 62. Never mentions a person <laughs> by name, just by initials. It's like, you know, well, GH never did that. <laughs> 
Oh, well, okay. Well, speaking of car and driver, kind of taking this another, you, you have, in, in your time at Hot Rod, it was great to read your, uh, your adventures of driving really just everyday to vintage work. cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I going to get to work without my car catching on fire? I love yeah. yeah. Those articles were great. I literally, you were in that position where you didn't just talk the talk. You, you could have ended up walking the walk, you know, yeah. like, more often than not. The whole time that I was at hot rod though, I think that was, what is it? Four years. I only left on a flatbed one time. Wow. Yeah. Which the, car let you down? The blue challenger when I shredded the belt on it. Well, see, we can't blame the challenger. Brand? What, what brand is it? <laughs> uh, what, what brand was the belt, Brad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a Gates. Let's, see, let's get all technical here, big guy. <laughs> Sorry, I went, I, went a little, I went the wrong way with it. <laughs> How dare you? Well, that's pretty good. All the all the all those little adventures, and you only got only had you know got walking once. That's that's pretty good. Only got left one time. Well, especially as brutal as the traffic is down in that area uh, too. It's awful. I yeah, can't imagine it's... trying to drive something that's maybe trying wanting to overheat or you know the motor's <laughs> not happy or something's wrong with the carburetor and it won't idle and oh. God. Well, I'll tell you, when you do that commute uh, every day in an old car, you keep those things running pretty well. Um, since I haven't been commuting, all my all my junk doesn't run very well anymore because I'm like, eh, <laughs> it's fine. It's good enough for like, like a horse get, is not getting ridden. Yeah, enough. you know, it's like I just have to get to the target around the corner. So like it's got enough oil for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just won't go around the turns real fast to start yeah. a pickup. <laughs> I'm doing that right now with my son's car. It, it's funny. He doesn't have his license yet, so the car just kind of sits in the garage, and I, I really do need to replace a uh, a drive axle on it. And I'll take it, and I'm like, well, I've only got to go here to pick him up, and I don't have to go over 45. <laughs> so the vibration's not going to be too bad. I uh, I just ordered a $1,000 worth of parts for the Opal. I'm going to do the front end, and then I need to do the, the third member howls. And, you know, when I was talking to the to the parts guy and I was, you know, was telling him which parts I needed for the, for the rear end. He's like, Oh, is it howling? And I was like, yeah, I was like, it just sounds like it's going to come apart. And he's like, it won't though. I mean, I know guys who've driven for 10 years like that. And I was, uh, he's like, it won't hurt anything. I'm like, it hurts my, my soul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds terrible. It's the worst. It's like, literally it's like listening to your dog cough. You know, you're like, oh, it's going to be horrible. Was, no, 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 they'll get over it just fine. You're going, no, but something about, yeah, if your car makes a noise. I mean, heck, my body makes noises and I, I ignore it. And I'm like, oh, I can walk on that for years. See, I don't, I don't, I, I've, I've just only been around a few Opals doing work with them. I've never actually driven them a bunch. So I don't know what the rear ends do on those things. They should just turn the wheels and be quiet, but uh, it's not. <laughs> well, that's what they're supposed to do. But is there an issue with, with Opals? Is that what they do? Oh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's anything. It's. I think it's just any car from that era now at a certain mileage point, you're going to just have to fix things. Um, I think what is it? It's like a bearing up at the top goes bad. Um, Cause it doesn't, uh, it doesn't get as much lubrication. There's like, you know, two, two lower down and then one up at the top where like, I guess like that drive shaft is. And um, I think that one makes noise cause it just starts to have a little bit of um, slop back and forth when gears move. I don't know. I haven't taken it apart yet. So there's not like a big community out there where some guy has developed like the fix for it. And you look at it and you go, oh, you only have to drill like 14 holes into the housing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, well, I think the fix is that you, you replace the bearing and then you can drive it for another 40 years. 
<laughs> See now, I'm, I'm kind of happy to hear that. Like you're you're just you're at the point of rebuilding it. You haven't taken what I'd consider to be the easy route at some point and go. Well, I'll just throw an LS motor into it and I, call yeah. it a day. When I first got the Opal, there, we were definitely talking about various different performance upgrades. I I really I really like it. Like I would like to I'd like to put a five speed in it. I think that would be nice, just because modern highway speeds are are rough on anything that's you know turning four grand to to go seventy miles an hour. But um, you know I mean it, it revs higher than that. It's not like it's a Chrysler big block or something, but uh, it's still, uh, it's nicer to, to not have to, I, I, you know, I think it's just like a nicely balanced car. I get, to, I can floor it all the time, which is really fun. Cause I've, I've built everything else I own into, into the kind of car where you can never floor it. And I really miss being able to floor things. So, so I, yeah, I don't really have any desire to, to hot rod the Opal, um, other than, I mean, we did already a little bit. I think a stock one's like 97 horsepower or something like that. And we made made the 1.9 liter into a two liter. So now it's probably like 104 or 107 horsepower. So there are new cars that barely make more than that. Exactly. I think for the rear end, I think you should do a story about if the old tale of putting banana peels in a rear end will quieten <laughs> it down. If you know you're going to rebuild it anyway, just go up to Target, go get about 30 bananas and ram them in there, and then see if it makes a difference. That's an well, old trick from back in the we, day. Why don't we do that on one of your cars? Uh, hmm. Yes. Dude, on the dually. On the dually. <laughs> Let's do it. So when yeah. you park somewhere, somebody walks up and goes, are you making banana bread? What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's smell. Banana bread in your car. <laughs> I can't imagine cleaning that out. Oh, yeah, that's could, the thing, right? Oh, could you imagine bananas in 90 weight? Oh, it's like when people say to put egg white in the radiator to like, I've heard about a... pepper in the radiator. I've heard about sawdust in an automatic transmission, banana peels in a rear end. Yeah. That's, ugh. I can't even imagine. Has there this this has all the makings of a great YouTube channel? <laughs> <laughs> Holistic hot rodding. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> a real grocery getter. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Oh, this is fa- okay. Save that. We're going to use this somewhere. Holistic hot rodding. Because I was, I was going to pitch to you the idea for a YouTube channel where you combine what you do for Edmonds with your daily driver fleet and do these like uh, these kind of retro themed car reviews where you even dress the part. You know, <laughs> everything is like, say you're doing like, say you had a 76 Monaco. Everything is pure 1976. You don't even eat foods. That came out after 1976. A lot of polyester. (laughs) Close, too. But yeah, that'd be pretty good. You just referenced Edmonds. uh, And yeah, so I do new car review videos for for Edmonds, which is a consumer shopping um, site. And and it's been fun. I've been learning a lot about new cars. Uh, It would be fun to do to do the old car reviews. Although, you know, it's hard. You see magazines sort of try that here and there like they they try to kind of do these retro reviews um and they find an old car but like nothing is the same as it was you know those cars were new at one point and even if they've been rebuilt they're not the same as they were when they were new and so you know i don't know how you could ever unless you actually remembered driving it when it was new i always feel like you know like you always see do you remember when there's kind of a trend in in like the magazines where they would do these matchups like old challenger versus new challenger yeah and uh, you know they'd be like they'd have like a heavy challenger and you know like a 
new like an RT new challenger or something, and uh, and the Hemi challenger would just run like hot garbage, and you'd and you'd be like. <laughs> Like somebody needed to tune that thing, you know, like, you know, they'd be like, I don't know how they ever ran, you know, the yeah. 12 seconds back in the day. Cause this thing, we couldn't get better than a 17 flat. And it's like, well, yeah, cause you don't know how to drive first of all. But like, secondly, that car clearly wasn't running very well. It's like, yeah. you can like, you like see in the close up like beauty shots that like the rear exhaust valence is all like black with soot and stuff. And you're just like, yeah, I don't think it was running very well. It's got gas in it. That's 10 years old. It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Person who owned it, you know, it's got it on repo tires and they've never driven it, you know, more than 15 miles to the nearest car shows. So, so I feel like, I feel like it's always hard to be fair to the old cars when you're coming with the lens of, of modernity. Well put. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, the flat spots on the tires might hinder the 65 times. <laughs> yeah. So what's it like testing but I cars do like dressing for, up. For, for something like Evans? Is, uh, do you enjoy it? I do. It's been it's been really fun. Again, you know, you were talking earlier about always having challenges, and I, I definitely believe in that. I mean, I feel like, you know, because I could write... I could write hot rod style features on people's custom cars. No problem. I could write that for the rest of my life. Right. And I can knock them out in a day or two and it would be easy and it would be enjoyable. But at a certain point, you sort of stop learning new stuff. I mean, obviously, people do new things to their cars, but there's sort of a similarity to to the, what people are doing. So you're like, oh, you know, it's got a uh, road X block and it's got twin turbinetics, turbochargers or whatever. And it's like starts to be almost a format. So it's been interesting to go and to, to learn about new cars, especially because, you know, when I was at Hot Rod uh, and Roadkill, you know, I did some performance car stuff. So, you know, I'd driven like the ACR Viper, or the, you know, Hellcats and things like that, um, you know, SS Camaro. And, uh, but I hadn't done any sort of family car stuff. I, I knew nothing about hybrid cars. Like, by the way, I did a hybrid review and the commenters were really annoyed by the way I say hybrid. So sorry. Um, anyway. How are you supposed to pronounce it? I, I don't know. I don't know. Is there a different way? What, they what, say what, what, say, what you say? They say it, I say it like hybrid. Whatever. Oh, maybe you could have was... traded some hybrid to that guy to haul yeah. your motor around. Um, yeah. But so it's been a challenge because I've been ha I've been having to sort of go outside of myself or my own car desires and say, all right. I don't have a desire for a minivan, but if I did have a desire for a minivan, what would I want in one? And what would, you know, what is good about this one or what is bad about this one? Um, because initially I went into new car review kind of being like, this doesn't have 800 horsepower. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I can't even get this thing into the teens. Yeah. Like I can't do a burnout. Can't even floor it with, you know, you can't even brake stand it. This car blows. But apparently, <laughs> from my research, I have discovered that not everybody wants that. So, so that's a good challenge. Yeah, yeah I know. You lose all your friendships you have at the different gas stations you go to. Sounds <laughs> cool. <laughs> Although I, I, I can see your point. I, I had done blogging for Dodge for a while, and for me, it was weird to have to get into the new stuff, and it was really weird. So I started to look at it as a hot rodder. And I remember kind of getting the stink eye after a while because I literally started looking at all these cars as something I could source parts off of. <laughs> you know, so on the side, I'm designing hot rods for people and going, oh, I could totally use the dash out of this. <laughs> these seats are going to be awesome when you take yeah. the headrest off. And 
it's weird, but I guess in a way though, you've kind of got it made, you get to develop a whole new appreciation for the technology going into these things. So that's got to be kind of interesting. I mean, at least in some, I mean, yeah, sure. It's not the most exciting thing again, when you see, you know, Oh, this, this minivan holds nine as compared to last year when it held seven people. Yeah, the seats fold flat. Isn't that exciting? Okay, actually, a- though, when the seats fold flat, it is kind of exciting. It's pretty cool. Because when they yeah, don't it, fold flat, then they're freaking useless, annoying. and they might as well not fold at all. That's right. right. Or you have That's to pull right. them out. I had a minivan that you had to do that with, and it sucked. Wow, I wonder if they have, like, a conjoined, like, twins entry door. That'll be the next thing. They're running out of options to give people. It's like, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I um, – well, what new car thing, you know, have you guys, you know, noticed recently that you're like, oh, that would be pretty good in an old car? Like heated and AC seats. Oh yeah, they're pretty good. Those are kind of cool. That is the greatest thing. Uh, Although transmission with with eight speeds in it, I like that. Ooh yes. See, I've got that in mind. My Challenger is okay. An eight-speed transmission. Don't hold that against me. It's an automatic. There's reasons why I chose that car, but that's okay. But that thing, eight speeds. Plus, and granted, I, I love the fact it's got a, it's got a light tune on it. It's got work done to it, but it, I retained the cylinder deactivation. And there's a lot to be said for making that cruise to Vegas or out to Southern California. You hop on the freeway, that sucker's in eighth gear. It drops down to four-cylinder mode, and you're watching yourself get 38 miles per gallon on the freeway. Wow. That thing's just I, loping along at like 1,200 RPM. I really, I'm really jealous of new car defrosters. I know that's not relevant most of the time in California, but when it is, man, it takes like 10 minutes of driving in anything that I own before I can see out the window. Um, <laughs> Especially on the quarter know. windows. If you've got a car that you, you have limited view and they've got the uh, they've got a defroster in the quarter windows, that's the greatest thing ever. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have that. And then, and then I also, um, I do really like like phone connectivity, um, like Apple CarPlay. Not that it's, it would be super relevant in any of the cars that I own because they're all pretty loud. But like, it's neat to, you know, as somebody who's who's done the whole like, I've got 75 different cassette tapes in this car, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> melted under the dash and you're like kicking them around and stuff, trying to like re-roll them to like get them to work or whatever. Uh, it is kind of neat to just be like, whatever music I want to listen to or like podcasts or stuff, I can just like put it on and like learn Spanish, whatever. Really? Or Canadian. You could learn Canadian. Or Canadian. I could. I could, eh? (laughs) Nicely played. You know, you've tested so many different brands of cars. Was there one particular one that stood out that before you got in it, you're going, I'm going to hate this thing. And by the time you got done with it, you really, really liked it. Is there one in particular that stands out? Two, uh, kind of for the same reasons. One, you won't be terribly surprised about, but the other, you probably will be. So the Mazda Miata, the MX-5, I've always been like so eye-rolly about people who are like, Miata's the best car. Um, (laughs) And then I finally drove one and I was like, oh damn, it's fun. Like it's super fun in the same way that the Opal's fun, you know, like you can just floor it, flip it around, like, you know, it's really cute. So I like that. And um, recently I drove um, a Toyota Corolla hatchback with a manual and I really liked it. Like, it was one of the few cars I've been sorry to give back that, like, you know, wasn't a Viper. Because, again, <laughs> it was a really good uh, balance. It wasn't a super high horsepower engine. It wasn't a heavy clutch. So you just got to, like, have all the fun of driving. And you could just, you know, wind it out in every single gear. And you still wouldn't really be breaking the speed limit. So, like, 
um, I really enjoyed that car a lot. Uh, I thought it was super fun, and I think it's a good buy, too. That's the other thing with the new cars, or the main thing for me with the new cars that's really hard is like, there's a lot of great stuff out there, a lot of you know beautiful interiors and you know nice design, a lot of luxury and stuff, but it's so expensive. I mean, yes. it's yes. so expensive, and I don't understand how anybody can afford it. And then there are so the cars that are cheaper are so miserable. It's like the car designers are trying to punish people for not having enough money to buy the expensive ones. When I find a car that's you know that's twenty five thousand or less and isn't an unpleasant experience, I'm always like I always definitely like a gold star to those kind of cars because I think that you know I think that if if people don't get into a car that's fun pretty early, then they never like cars. And so if all of the affordable cars are miserable cars, then you're just going to have a whole generation of people who don't like cars. I think that's where we're at now, too. A lot of these, uh, a lot of the, like the millennial kids came up driving basically really uninspired cars. And, and I think you brought up a good point, too. Like maybe the engineers and designers were trying to punish people because I worked for Hyundai during the very dark ages of the <laughs> early 90s. And I swear in the sales brochure for like the Excel it said in bold type, it was like, if only you'd have tried harder in school, you wouldn't be looking at this car. No, it didn't. No. <laughs> Not in so many words. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was like, you're really going to enjoy this car, you yeah. sad sack. And yeah. a lot of people did enjoy that. They enjoyed watching it fly up and down on the, uh, the lift once a week to get a new transmission. Yeah, I mean, you, you brought up a point, and it's weird, too, because... I went around looking at cars with my girlfriend about a month ago, and she was looking to buy a new car. It was really weird for me because I'm looking at the stuff going, all right, this car gets you so much money, gets you so much car for, say, a starting figure of 28. And I go, man, 28 grand for that car. I'm thinking, I wouldn't pay, you know, 15 for this thing <laughs> on a good day. And then well-equipped, you're like, oh, well-equipped, it's 43,000. Yeah. And then by the time they get done with the payments, they're going, oh, well, we're doing like eight-year loans now. I'm thinking, yeah, that's 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 almost a mortgage. And I'm going, I, there's no way. I was going, mm-mm, I'm out. So I was trying to push her toward things like, you know, any performance car we could find. I was like, but it's a three-year-old SRT. Nobody liked that idea. <laughs> Aw. Some people really want a new car. Um, I've never had one, so I bet it's I bet it's great. No, so do they, they let they let let you keep the cars for a couple of days while you're doing these? Or is it one of those, you got to have it for an afternoon kind of thing and that's it? No, um, Edmunds is great. They give me a lot of time in the cars. I usually have them for, for about a week. And so, you know, so I really do, I try to, to really put them through the paces, use them for, for whatever they're intended for. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, like I said, it's, in, it's interesting. It's interesting to see what people are focused on and what they're, how they're solving some of the problems, like you said about, of uninspired cars and also how they're like how the car companies change too because like hyundai is making some kind of nice stuff right now um yeah. kia kia certainly is so uh -huh. that's interesting because five years ago i would have like just been like <laughs> no <laughs> right yeah, right kia. What, what have you driven the stinger um yeah i have driven the stinger what do you think of it because there's a ton of those in my town yeah i mean it's it's impressive it's not you know it's not something that you would have expected from Kia. I think it's cool that they made it. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd take a charger over the Stinger personally, but oh yeah, but you know, but I think it looks nice and performs pretty well. What are your feelings on like adaptive cruise control? I am fascinated by it as a technology, but I 
really dislike it as, uh, <laughs> as a user. It's like, uh, I mean, adaptive cruise control by itself isn't too bad. It's kind of useful, especially like if you're stuck, like I've been driving back and forth to San Diego a lot. I'm working with, with Don Prudhomme um, on, a, on a biography. And so I've been going down to, to do interviews. And uh, so I've been doing a lot of like just four hours of stop and go traffic, you know, like that's just like there's it's not like any part of that drive is free flowing. When I have a car that has adaptive cruise control, it is kind of nice because you can like set the adaptive cruise control for a second and like check your phone or whatever, like be like, is there something that's an emergency that I've missed in the last three hours of sitting here? But those kind of technologies, especially the like lane assisting and and like semi autonomous stuff is basically like being driven around by a teenage driver, right? Like it, it's just, it's so, it's so dramatic and it's so, you know, kind of herky jerky. Uh, some of them are better than others, but there are none of them where I'm like, this is restful. <laughs> Why does it keep messing with the radio volume? <laughs> totally. Why does it smell in here? <laughs> like feet. <laughs> Yeah, you haven't lived till you've gone cross country with three teenagers in a car. Do that sometime. I haven't done it since I was a teenager, so it was different then. Yeah, you don't have. You don't have. It more as an adult. <laughs> you don't have the ability to smell the smell that's oh. in that car. Oh, so, do you have? Uh, if you were going to build a hot rod today, and you were allowed to take one emerging technology out of a new car you've driven in, say, the past six or eight months and adapt it to that hot rod project. Phone connectivity. Let's take that one clean <laughs> off the table. Well, I think I would probably build something with, with uh, you know, some kind of contemporary turbocharged engine because they're just astounding in terms of performance and fuel economy. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Because I love seeing these things. Like, yeah, it's got a 1.3 liter, puts out 290 horsepower. And you're like, what? You know, or a supercharger, just basically forced induction, kind of. I should have taken that off the table. No forced induction, no phone no, connectivity. Okay, all right. Uh, no forced induction, no phone By the time we're done, I'm going to backdate this. You're basically going um, to end up building a Seahawk 78 Monte Carlo. How about all-wheel drive? <laughs> Ooh. Okay, nice. Yeah, see, today it's funny. All-wheel drive means good things. I remember, like, even as far back as, like, 2009, you'd see all-wheel drive. And, oh, great, more crap to break. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's probably still more crap to break, but, you know, people, I think, I mean, all-wheel drive is weird because definitely there's this kind of attitude right now where it, where people are like, well, I can't possibly drive a car that doesn't have all-wheel drive because, you know, it rains sometimes where I live. And it's like, um, how do you think your folks got around? But, uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, you go to the drag strip and you see somebody with a launch a car with just zero wheel spin and it's like, oh, that doesn't suck. You know, or like I was just in Mexico and Reese Millen was down there with a new kind of buggy design that he, that he is testing out That's that uses like a rally car um, gearbox and tech, and like all-wheel drive technology. And it was like, you know, he'd launch in these like sandy washes and just no big rooster tail, nothing, just whoop, gone. Pretty cool. Next step will be maglev technology. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go on the desert the week before with your pre-runner and just lay down all the plates. <laughs> hope they don't change the course that's right, that's right. <laughs> what would you guys put in a hot rod I, i'm with you i'm i'm in the contemporary uh drivetrain no doubt about it i, I agree with that really see i i'm gonna 
I'm just going to keep it because I'm a goofball like that. I'm, I'm going to stay with my heated and cooled seat. <laughs> I can't deny how great those are. <clears throat> it is cool the... stuff, but, but like the late model drive train stuff. I'm so used to smelling Holly carburetors, you know, you pull in the garage <laughs> and it smells like gas all the time. You go, it'd be nice to have something that didn't smell like gas all the time. <laughs> oh, you said <laughs> gas all the time. I was like, wait a minute. Okay. I was like, wait a second. And, and the cost of fuel out here in Southern California, I mean, I wouldn't mind having a vehicle, a hot rod that gets in the mid 20s in fuel mileage. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. I should have gone with a warranty. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, but then you have to, you know, then you have to trust, you know, whoever's at the dealer to work on it. Working on it's not so bad. That part's pretty fun. Yeah, but no, it's true. Yeah, I mean, well, the maintenance part isn't so bad. You take it in and. Hell, you, you can't you can't do anything. I mean, like my Challenger, you can't even check the uh, the transmission fluid level. Well, I mean, if you get like a supercar, like a McLaren or something, you can't even look at the engine. It's a, a you have to physically remove <laughs> bolts to to even see the the engine bay. There's no there's no hatch for it. it doesn't open. They're probably tamper tamper bolts too. I'm they sorry, scream. you voided the warranty. <laughs> <laughs> Just an alarm goes off in England. <laughs> You open it up, it melts your face off like a you know. British siren. Beeper, beeper. <laughs> yeah, if, you're, if you're spending that kind of money on a McLaren, are you really going to work on your own car? No, but you might want to look at the engine. Just to yeah. really see what it looks like. Me, I, I wouldn't want somebody else to work on it. It's like, I'll do it. You wouldn't have time. You'd be out buying watches or cruising around on your yacht. <laughs> That's, That's right. true. Oh, man. Car guys are so into watches. They're always, I, like, people are always like, hey, look at my watch. And I'm like, yep, tells the time. <laughs> I haven't owned a watch in like 15 years. I feel really bad. I don't fit in. I don't have tattoos. I don't have the squarey glasses. It's not too know. late. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I, I've never done the watch thing. You either, huh? No, I don't think either. No, neither I you mean, guys have me, watches. I, I can't. I mean, at work, I mean, rings and watches and jewelry. I, I can't really wear it. Not not supposed to. Not around yeah, what we do. I got a cool do. watch. It's nothing, it's nothing extravagant, but it's kind of cool. Oh, you just got your watch. Yeah, I see you got your watch. Well, Alex, you can't wear your nipple rings at work. Nope. Because <laughs> oh, I might well, lean. Was... I might lean across a power tray and you know get nailed. You know. <laughs> what was that? Was it Captain Lou Albano from the old wrestling yeah, days? Yeah, with you the rubber band and it from your face. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, what what is next on? What's next for you? I mean, well, Atlanta, where, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> uh, um, well, but it's like uh, pinky in the brain, right? Like, going to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. The, the media landscape is very strange right now, so I can't even predict what my options are going to be. Um, you know, I'd love, I'd love to do some, like, television writing, if that's ever an option for me. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of cool car shows that people are sort of pitching and I mean, I don't mind doing the videos for Edmonds. It's fun to be on video, but that's not necessarily my goal to be the front person. But I would love to to write for a, a big show with a, a big, ambitious budget. I, I'm, I feel like I'm a solid ideas person. So so doing something like that would be really fun. Um, I certainly hope that uh, five years from now sees me uh, having finished my book four years previously. Um, <laughs> that is a, that is a major goal. Driving a brand new Opal. Yeah, brand new Opal. <laughs> but well, you know, nice an Opal with a nice new suspension and non-howling rear end. <laughs> well, here I'll pitch an idea for you. Let, let's go into this together. We'll write a TV series. This will be this will be evergreen 
because every year it'll be brand new. We do an ensemble cast retelling of the building of that year's Riddler Award winner. Is it going to be like a like dramatic reenactment? Oh, tremendously <laughs> so. I mean, there's going to be, I want to get something that's huge budget just because the special <laughs> effects budget is going to have to be outrageous. There's going to be so many sparks in this thing. <laughs> so many slow motion shots of people grinding. So much. No matter it's what's actually going just like a like a full 40 minutes of just slow motion sparks. Like you don't actually have to do anything else because you can't see anything else happening because it's just sparks. Yeah. Even as the guys installing the glass in the car, sparks. Yeah. But I don't put even engine, know how to put do that. the engine together, sparks. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he didn't take his watch off and the starter was still attached. <laughs> <laughs> Interior shop sparks. Oh, yeah. Spray booth sparks. Just painted with sparks. <laughs> <laughs> guys laying down the clear while the other guys laying the sparks down. Oh man, it's so flammable. <laughs> could have this. Could have this sponsored by you know whoever, whatever furniture company has the most throwable chairs. Just it's just time. sponsored by titanium blocks. Or white sparks. Ooh. Magnesium. They just don't go away. Okay. Well, think about that. We've done everything now. Yeah. Good. Should... We're rich, right? When does the money come? We need a sponsor for this. We get it. We get an updated pool noodle. When do we get the bigger one? That'd be awesome. So, Strap so... two pool noodles together. Speaking of sponsors, um, my friend Abby and I were just talking about this because you know, like people are on social media and and folks are influencers and uh, telling her that every once in a while a company will contact me and ask me, you know, oh, do you want to partner up for, for a post? And I'm, and they're always like, they're always very nice people. It's always like a fine company, but I'm always like, I'm like, no, nah, man, you know, like it's always like super fancy high-end like car wax or something like that. I'm like, like, have you seen my car? Like, ain't nobody <laughs> going to believe I use your product, nor would you want them to. Um, <laughs> So, so we're talking about like, well, who would you want to sponsor you, you know, or like, you know, who would be a good sponsor for, for your life where people would be like, oh yeah, I totally, totally believe that that's uh, that that's a legitimate partnership. So, so who would you guys have as your, as your life sponsors? A life sponsor? Whoa. A life sponsor? Well, I mean, it can be as ambitious as you want, but like, for example, I was thinking like right now. The two things that I seem to go through the most are uh, car covers, because we just keep getting new cars, and um, and moleskin notebooks, those little Oh, heck yeah. Notebooks. And I was like, dude, I would be totally stoked if I just had a supply of notebooks. You know, I'm not an ambitious person, obviously, because, you know. At this point, I would either have to go with Nabisco for Oreos, because <laughs> I'm a single dad with a teenage kid, or I would do, uh, any hard drive company would do us really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, good one. No yeah. doubt. More laptops. Anything. I'm thinking car stuff, you know, in, in best case scenario, I got the good hot rod thing going on. I need a back tire supplier. Mm, yeah. So then you're not uh, limited to what you want to do because you go, I got to pay for these. I got to be cool. Well, if you don't have to pay for them. They're expensive too. I, exactly. <laughs> so if you don't have to pay for those and they're sponsored, well, you've gotten obliterated every time you get in your car. I recommend once again, getting an Opal GT because I recently got four tires for the Opal GT and it was like 130 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> like 70,000 treadwear. <laughs> in the meantime, everything else I own is like 
250 bucks a tire. Oh, yeah. like rated for 62 mile an hour, but hey, they're they're cheap. <laughs> like I realized I was getting old the minute I started to watch burnout videos online. And I was just like, oh, this is stupid. That's expensive. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Who's going to uh, clean up after this? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Imagine the smell. It's like, oh, man, there's going to be a big pothole in that guy's concrete. His neighbors are going to be mad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Somebody's going to call the homeowners association. My, uh, yeah. my sister still teases me because when she was in college, I went to visit her and I had a, she, I was going to help her move. We had a rental truck. It was a Dodge. And I did a burnout in front of her, uh, her <laughs> house. It was Santa Cruz, and I guess it rained right after that, so they had a huge pothole that they, they named after me. <laughs> it's not a pothole. You you helped to divert the uh, – you, you created new drainage. It's a water channel. Yeah. I, I thought it was like a frog sanctuary. Ooh. Bird bath. <laughs> <laughs> so this is good. So the subtitle for your episode is going to be uh, "Animal Lover." That's totally accurate. Anybody who knows me knows that you know, like if you follow any of my social media feeds, it's nothing but cars and dogs. I say you had a you have a lot of dogs on your Instagram feed. I like dogs. Dogs are the best. Nobody's ever going to get in a fight with you because you posted a dog. You're just going to well, make everybody happy. So there we go. Well, we yeah. what, what haven't we covered? I feel like we covered all the important things. We were going to do this as a typical podcast and go, you know, if you were a car, what kind of a car would you be and why? No, I'm not going to ask that question unless you've thought that through. And you're like, Dude, oh, I'm, I'm obviously a Lamborghini Mira because I'm awesome. Wow. Wow. Good choice, too. That is wow. that is probably the most beautiful car, in my opinion, ever created. I would have to agree. There's not a bad line on it. That thing is amazing. Have you looked at the door handles? The door handles yeah. are like so cool because it's like these like slots. Then then like the door handle is also like a slat and yeah. that's really good. I was I was doing some work at a shop the other day and they were they were putting a stereo in one of those and the door was open. And I was just looking at like the door jams and part of the dash. I was just looking at like what was in my surrounding area going, Well, there's some thought that went into this car. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is just hacked together. There's some really cool little detail stuff oh, in this little five foot area I'm looking at going. Wow. Okay. Such a great looking shape. The shape of the car is just, you know, whenever I was a kid and I was doodling cars, it was always that was the style of car. I always tried to draw. I never could do it well, but that was the one. Mm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind one. I wouldn't turn one away if it showed no. up in my driveway. Have you ever ridden in one? Um, I've sat in one. I haven't ridden in one. I've ridden in a Lamborghini Espada, same okay. era. I wonder if there's like a really crappy kit car out there that's just... You know, like, like when they, when they did all like the uh, the Countach, where you could see those for like the Fiero chassis. It was just, <laughs> everything was slightly off. I wonder if you could even make a Mira ugly. I don't know. Yeah. And the closest you'd come to it, what if it looked kind of like a cross, like like a, a Mira had a baby with a uh, like a Lancia Stratos. <laughs> yeah. Like so, basically a Fiat. <laughs> like, like, like almost like a Fiat or like a Triumph. Triumph meets like Pantera. Mm. It's funny. The other day, she's speaking of kit cars. I was driving around by the by the bank, and there's this guy that pulls up in this Fiero with the Testarossa body kit, and yes. these kids come bolting out of this Chinese restaurant. That's by they're like, it's a Ferrari. I didn't have the heart to tell them. I just kind of drove by and chuckled, but they were checking this thing out. They could have, they they swore it was the real thing. It's like kids, it's a Fiero. <laughs> I, just wow. let, I just let them have fun. It wasn't up to me to kind of 
say anything. I said, hey, man, if you like it, you like it. The joy was real, even if the car exactly. wasn't. Exactly. Right. Yeah, they liked it, and that's all that mattered. So so what are you, I mean, you guys probably talk about it all the time on the podcast, but what are your projects right now? What are you working on? Go I ahead, have Brad. nothing. Or, oh, yeah, Brad. Do Brad. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, you'll like what I'm doing. I, I kind of stopped because I got another project I'm working on, so I had to kind of put it on hold, but I'm building a streamliner. So. Oh, Oh yeah, I'm building one of those crazy things, and uh, and then I got a forty man Chevy pickup truck. It's in my garage, and I'm looking at another project to get. Yeah, and then I, and then I I got a really cool mid seventies dually with a little half shell and the wing on the top, and I've done a bunch of suspension work and put it, to make it really low because I needed a really cool tow vehicle for the streamliner at Bonneville. So, you know, you can't go out there with just something stock. You got to be cool. Is it going to be a push truck as well, or is it yeah. streamliner going to be self self starting? No, it'll be it'll be a, it'll be pushed, and it's a pretty crazy car. I'll kind of I'll show you some I'll show you some stuff of what I'm working on, and you can tell me what you think. But uh, you know, we're going to go really fast with some really small motors. Something we're going to do some stuff that nobody's really ever done before, which is kind of the idea of Bonneville. Yeah, that's the best thing about Bonneville is that there's still stuff that people haven't done before. Since you like going to Bonneville, have you got have you gone out there playing with anything at all? You know, I've never driven anything out there other than a rental car. Um, I mean, I've been out there a ton of times covering other stories. But I mean, that's kind of what uh, job is a lot of times is sort of being there while other people do super cool stuff, which is fine. But yeah, I'd like to I'd like to drive something at Bonneville. But I feel like I've got plenty of time since, you know, like middle age range for somebody driving at Bonneville is like 75. So pretty much you don't have enough money to go play out there until you're older. It seems yeah. like so. Brad, at this rate, you got to get yours done next year. I got to get it done. Shut <laughs> up. Not yet, but I am the mature one of the group. Yeah. Vintage. Alex has projects. Yeah. Yeah. Got a 64 Chevy truck, a Slam 64 Chevy truck. Got a 55 Chevy Pro Street truck, Air Ride. It's going to be up for sale here, hopefully, at the Father's Day Roadster Show. Um, got a 71 Camaro Rally Sport. Got a 68 Camaro, and that's about it. It's a solid collection. Just wish they ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the lame one of the group. I, I invest most of my time in my kid, so uh, just got a late nothing, model challenge. Nothing wrong with that. No. He's a big enough project, man. Yeah. Right. It's an important project. And they only grow up once. Do it right. So the late model Challenger just gets the little stuff. I mean, it's done intake, exhaust, working on a 392 cam for it. I'm going to do the uh, uh, the uh, six one upper intake for it. Look, this the typical goofy stuff that everybody does to an RT. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Those are good cars. I like it. It's been very good to me. And so we got. What about you? What do you got going on besides, <laughs> besides the, the, yeah. the rear end squealing Opal? What else? What else you got going in your? Uh... So we've got, what do we have, 13 cars? Oh, crap. <laughs> you win. You win. <laughs> so, anyway, Opal's next on my repair list. Um, we have a 69 Dodge Polara. Needs a headliner. Tom has a 69 Charger RT. We've got a 71 Barracuda. Um, I've got a 70 Challenger that I built this giant 505 stroker engine for and now never drive anymore. Um, but at some point I'd like to take that to the track, see what it does. I've got a satellite wagon that is just dying for some lace paint and stripes, Brad. Um, hey. and, uh, go. <laughs> got, a, got a spirit of 76 dart light, which is a drag car that I haven't driven in ages. 
that I need to figure out what what to do with. And then we've got a whole bunch of trucks. So uh, we've got a 78 Dodge Dually um, that somebody painted in 1983. It's excellent. It's bright yellow. It has awesome stripes on it. It's hilarious. And then we've got a, a 64, 65 Ford Wrecker and a Dodge D800 dump truck, a Dodge D700 ramp truck that belonged to um, Dick Landy. And oh, uh, crap. that's pretty cool. Yeah, that we're restoring. That's a huge project. Uh, hmm. Yeah. And then we've got another ramp truck that we just picked up that belonged to Bobby Yell. Bobby Yule, I think is how it was called, who is another pro stock racer. Yeah, oh, pro stock racer. Yeah, the Yule brothers. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so we got got those bunch of big trucks projects to work on. And then I've got a Myers Manx that I'm trying to put together and a Honda Trail 90. I think that's it. <laughs> I got one of those. They're fun. I really they want to play it. It's like I got a, a sixty-eight. You need houses, another one. I think. I don't know. Maybe. I got a sixty-eight that I may sell here pretty soon. They're kind of pricey. They get good prices. I can't afford to buy one. I, somebody gave me this one. What do you do with all your free time? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mostly just I lie on the couch and think about things that I should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Like my dad says, you know, sometimes I get the urge to work on something, but if I lie down for long enough, it goes away. <laughs> Well, you guys got enough cool projects to last a long time. Yeah, I hope we can get uh, some of them done, <laughs> especially the the Landy truck. That's a yeah, that's um, a cool one. It's weird to have a project where you're kind of responsible for something besides just what you want to do to a car. You know, like it kind of has like a historical yeah, you have almost like it. an obligation to that. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's been interesting. We've been learning a lot from, from working on that. Well, you, cool. need to build a Bonneville, you need to build a competition coupe for Bonneville out of one of your cars, and now you get the perfect tow vehicle for going out yeah. of an assault. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think um, the goal with the with the Yule truck is to, to put a diesel in it and sort of rebuild it a little bit. All those ramp trucks, these big ones, um, you know, people put them up. They'd go to like another kind of racer who maybe wanted a wider ramp or didn't need the T box or whatever. So they cut them up. So, so even the Yule truck is is not complete. So that, but that one I think we can probably do more modification to. I don't think Bobby would mind as much. But although that one had amazing paint back in the day, the that Yule Duster had like a landscape. It was um, Greg of Akron, I think, was the painter. Um, okay. And it had back a few years. It had like this landscape on it. It was really wild. I don't think that we can find anybody who can repaint it like that, but maybe we'll try a wrap or something. Yeah, with the advent of wraps, I, I would love to start doing custom design ones for people where you take like their family portraits and <laughs> redo them as like the mom coming in riding the, uh, the polar bear. Oh, yeah. Like RV wraps. <laughs> like so like custom vans only. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of real paint, um, so I always prefer it when possible. But there sure. there are places where a wrap kind of makes sense. Today, I wonder how many. Wow, I wonder if you could make a living doing like if you could license Frank Frazetta's art and just do van wraps. Frank Frazetta wraps. That's about. That's that's pretty bad. You can't do that. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be a new I'm, Etsy store. I'm totally ready for people to bring back more, you know, painted wizards and stuff on oh, cars. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want that to happen so bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, if I, I ever got tattoos, I want to do up, up both arms. I want to do a sleeve up each arm, but I want to do, like, a whole history of Van Murals. <laughs> One side would be fantasy, the other side would be sci-fi, and then they meet in the back and culminate in this ultimate battle. Yeah, like, with, like, a robot and a whale. <laughs> or a the robot band, whale. The band's, uh, you know, album covers. This would be outstanding. Or just the vans standing up fighting it out. See, there you go. Instead of the murals, Ooh. it's the battle of the vans. I think that signals it. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was kind uh, of, we pull the plug. <laughs> we've reached the end, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks for Thanks taking for time. Me. I yeah, appreciate it. It was good fun. So, yeah. yeah if you're, yes. uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah. If your folks need me, I'm challenge her on pretty much all the social media. So send them over. I'll show them pictures of the trucks. That'll be awesome, because that was my next question for you, to give yourself the, the plug where people can find you online, and we'll get that into the show notes, too. For all anyone. right. Here, I'll do it again. If you want to see all my trucks, then come over to Challenge Her, and you will also see a lot of pictures of dogs. That's on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. It's just Alana Share. Nicely done. And I'm, and I'm writing everywhere, so you can just open your closest magazine, and I probably have a byline in it. Probably Wait, there, Ooh, except for Cosmo. I haven't seen you in Cosmo. I'm trying. Don't I think they need me bad? I think you could do one of those, like seven. Oh, what if you did one of those, like seven? I don't know. Sexy seat designs your man can't well, possibly do without. And then my pitch to the women's magazines is like, forget plastic surgery, buy a sports car, because I have never. And hit on as much as I have when I was driving a Viper. So. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> there you go. Cosmo, call me. I really hope that somebody from Cosmo does listen to this and they're like, yeah, we're trying to figure <laughs> out what men want. And then we listen to this and, and learn. But now they know. They're like, apparently men want robot battles? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Robot battle tattoos and girls that drive vipers. And girls and, car and cool cars, yep. <laughs> All right, guys. That was fun. Thank <laughs> you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening. And be sure to keep up with us gearheads over on our website at www.round6pod.com. And if you'd like to, we invite you to follow along with us over on Facebook, Instagram, and be sure to check out all of our latest videos on YouTube.com. Big thanks once again to our sponsor, Trailer Tug. Please visit them at TrailerTug.com and learn more about the world's strongest trailer dolly. Our listeners receive 10% off their order when they use the discount code ROUND6 at checkout or when calling their order in 